Let's pray together. So, Father, I say amen to all of those words we just sang and thank you for the truth that is expressed in them. As we continue to worship you now in your word and see what it means to be pure in heart, Lord, I pray that that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and that everything that is outside would just be left there. Lord, I pray that as things come into our lives, even as we leave here today, Father, that we would lay them at the feet of the cross, knowing that in that moment, it was finished. Victory is ours, for we are yours. Lord, open our eyes that we would behold wonderful things from your truth now, by the power of your Spirit, and in the name of Jesus, the name above all names we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Please have a seat. So the great tension in Christianity is our struggle between knowing that we're supposed to obey what Christ commands while trying to ignore what he said in the Beatitudes because they don't feel very comfortable to us. And so as we're in this series now and we're, we're coming down the home stretch of his Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, what we found was that all of our riches are found in him. So being poor in spirit is a good thing because we find our riches in him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we see that, that even mourning is one of his instruments for us to taste his grace when he comforts us. Blessed are the gentle or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because when we are gentle, he is strong. And we realize that our strength isn't in us, but it's in him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And we saw that if what we do every moment throughout the day is we, is we put him first and hunger for him most, that we will find our full satisfaction in life and everything else falls short. And then last week, Don taught on blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And the greatest motivation for being merciful is because we have tasted the mercy of God. And what we've talked about is how we don't just want to accept these things, but we want to embrace them for what they are. He wasn't just saying, here, you know, you just have to put up with this. But it's hard because they're counter-cultural. The world is telling us to live differently. They're counterintuitive. Our flesh is telling us to be different than, those than, than poor in spirit and merciful and to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So today's message, when we talk about how we are supposed to be blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, and we're going to look at it through the eyes of David in Psalm 40, we struggle because it's so not our reality. We look and we go, pure in heart, is this one more thing that I have to accomplish for Jesus? The Sermon on the Mount is not a set of rules and regulations that Christ gives us, guys. It is, he, didn't just, he wasn't just adding things to the law. It is a statement of the life we live when the Holy Spirit is having his way in us. Right? This is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is, so when we talk about being pure in heart today or being merciful last week or how we're supposed to be peacemakers next week and we go, yeah, but this is not me. Jesus says, I know, but it's me and you. It's my spirit lived out in you and through you. 
so we can embrace a truth like blessed are the pure in heart. The thing is, when we see in our culture, especially because of all the moral failures that we see in, in the world and in the church and in church leadership even, um, sadly, we, we, we can see blessed or pure in heart and immediately think of moral things and, and, and sort of purity things in that regard. But he means far more than that. When he says blessed are the pure in heart, he isn't just talking about those people that are moral, those people that stay away from gross sin. Right? Ultimately, that word pure in the original language actually means to be seen as good by God. It's the same word that the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, so it was the first translation of the Old Testament into Greek, when they would use the word pure for the implements, like when, when they would um, worship in the temple, and, the, and, and whether it was the implements, they were using the bowls and the, and the ladles and things, or the very priests themselves that would talk about purity, it was, it was talking about being seen as good by God. That's the word Jesus used here. He's saying, just be seen as good by God. And then he says, blessed are the pure in heart. And Don did a great job of talking about what the heart is, but think about it this way. The heart is the inner self. Throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, the heart is the inner self. And the, and the inner self can kind of be divided up into a couple of things. You have this idea of, of the mind, what, our, what, what we're thinking. That's part of the heart, biblically. And our will, that's part of the heart, biblically. And then we have this part that is also in our heart that is our feelings or the emotion. And those things together, our mind, will, and emotion make up our soul. So when he's saying, blessed are the pure in heart, he's really saying, blessed are those whose souls are seen as good by God because they will see God. And that's the promise. I mean, guys, out of all the promises that are in the, these Beatitudes, because they all come with a promise, this one is, is probably my, my most favorite, or since I'm not an English person, my favoritist. That was a joke. Because he's talking about not just that we're going to see God because, like, in the, the, in the future, like, we're going to see God when we go to heaven, like we just sang. He's talking about you will see God now. And, and that's the, it's the beauty of what Hannah shared. And it's the beauty of what we get to experience even here in the midst of the one and others. But here's the tension, just like it was with all the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. And we look and we go, yeah, but I know me. And my heart is far from pure. I don't have a pure heart. And he is saying to you, if that's what you're hearing is, in me, yes, you do. No matter what you think or feel, he is saying, you do in me. And because of me, you will see God. Not just someday in the great by and by, but right here, right now. Why? Because we'll be looking in the right direction. When we're seeking the things that are pure and lovely and good and right, we're looking to God. So we will see him. And that's what I'm excited to show you today. We're going to look at it in Psalm 40. So find Psalm 40. Um, you probably already, hopefully already did in the invocation. Jeff read the second half of the psalm. I'm just going to teach through the first half of the psalm. And that's part of why he only read the second half. But guys, who wrote Psalm 40? Who wrote Psalm 40? David. If you didn't know that, it probably says it in your Bible somewhere, maybe up there at the pericope at the top. It was written by David. Was David sinless? No. Absolutely not. Sins are recorded for all of history. Wouldn't you love that? Right? 
Not only was he not sinless, he was far from this. Out of all of the people in the Bible, I look at David is the one I want. Outside of Jesus, obviously, he's the answer to all of it. But when I go to heaven, I want to meet David. Because I get David. Because the man struggled. He had moments where his walk with the Lord were so close and so, pu- and so pure that you probably couldn't tell where his spirit was, began, ended and where the Holy Spirit began. They were just like together. And then he had these seasons of his life where he was like this. And I can go, man, I can relate to that guy. And yet, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. How does that work? Because he understood the grace of God. The only way David, the sinful-hearted man, could be a man after God's own heart is because Jesus Christ did a work in his life. He was looking forward to the cross. In fact, Jesus, at the end of the book, in the Bible, in Revelation, the last chapter, he says that I am the descendant of David. So David was looking forward to that promise. So let's take a look at how David describes this hunger or this being pure in heart as we look at our first point, the Lord has purified our heart in Christ. So if you look at the first four verses of Psalm 40, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of this pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse in falsehood. Guys, do you see what he's saying here and how it relates to our point? That David's heart is pure in Christ, having nothing to do with David. He says, verse 1, He inclined his ear to me. That means he just bent his ear low to hear my prayer. Verse 2, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, and he set my feet upon the rock. He put a new song in my mouth. He did all of that for David just because he loves David. Guys, David's heart was pure because of what God did. And David describes some of those things here. He, He just, God has just done it. He just has. Our problem as believers is we don't live like that. I don't believe that. I struggle in my own heart because I go, you know what, I don't feel forgiven by God. And God is going, Doug, all you have to do is look at the cross of Jesus Christ and you will see it. He has forgiven. If you're in Christ, he has forgiven you. In Matthew chapter 5, right after the passage in the Beatitudes, Jesus says in, in verse 13 that you are the light of the world. And no one lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel, but he sets it up to, to illuminate the whole house. So let your good deeds shine among men that they may glorify God. Jesus just says, you are the light of the world. Guys, you just are. We, if you're in Christ, you just are. But but. Here's, so I, I've used this illustration before. So here, so here I am, right, prior to Christ, the first 24 plus years of my life, just walking around, dumb as a light bulb. No, we don't use the D word in our house, but as a light bulb and unable to illuminate anything. But when I got saved as a 24-year-old and his spirit came into me, so I'm going to turn my little face around. 
he turned me into the light of the world. Guys, from that point on, there is nothing I can do to not be the light. I just am. You just are, whether you feel like it or not. So why don't we live in this soul-wrapped grace of God? Why don't we live there? Why don't we stay there? I'll get to that in a minute, but part of it is because we don't believe what Paul said. Remember Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And here's the great apostle Paul, and he says, and, and, and towards the end of his walk with the Lord, and he's saying that, that God sent a demon to frustrate him. And I begged God three times, please take this thing away from me. And what did Jesus show up and say? My grace is sufficient for you. Paul, you're just, you are. Whether, whether that thorn in your flesh is causing you to, to sin or causing you to, to do bad, you, Paul, just, you, you're, you are the light of the world. Just be the light. Just live it. Live it believing that my grace is sufficient for you. Our problem is we focus on ourselves. One of the, um, Jeff talked about it in our little idea of connect, be, and engage. One of the ways we show that, that, that ph philosophy of, of life, honestly, as a Christian, is we show it through our little lighthouse diagram. So we have this diagram that shows the lighthouse being stuck on the cornerstone. Right? And, we, and some of us resonate with different areas of that. Some of us are, you know, are, are really caught up in being connected to Christ, and that's as far as you've gotten. Like it's, you're like, it's just me and Jesus, and, and okay. And some of you and, and some people are, are very focused on the being in community, sort of that being together, and I want to be, I, I be in fellowship, and, I wanna, and, and, and that's a good thing too. But then ultimately, if we're not connecting to Christ, to be in community, to engage in the call so that we can shine his light out to the world, which is what Daniel um, and the guys were talking about, was this opportunity to engage in the neighborhoods, then we're not really fulfilling his mission. But here's the problem. We, whether you resonate with all three of those or specifically more with one of them, the problem is that we try to do it in our strength. I try to do it in my own strength. And it's not until we get plugged in to Jesus Christ that we can actually do any of that. Because the power comes from him, not from us. The power to be pure in heart, to shine like this, isn't, in, isn't of us. It's of him. And, for, and, and, and yet we try to do too much of it in our own strength. We have some exciting things coming in the fall season, I think, that are going to help us get better at just recognizing how to stay connected, how to be in community, how to engage, how to just be the light he's called us to be. And so I'm excited for that. We'll start unfolding those things here in the near future. So the Lord has purified your heart in Christ, whether you feel like it or not, for a purpose. And that is what this lamp is doing, to make us shine for his glory, to make us shine for his glory. So let's pick it up in verse 5 and 6. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts towards us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. He's saying, if I told the world everything there is that you have done, I, I, I would never stop speaking. And then he finishes, a sacrifice and meal offerings you do not desire. My ears you have opened 
to your truth, to your voice, burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. He's saying, you open my ears to your word. It's not about my religious activity. It's not about showing up at church on Sunday. It's about being a spirit-filled person who hungers and thirsts for the word of God. Turn, if you would, just a couple of pages to the left where we are to Psalm 34, another psalm of David. I'm just going to read the first seven verses because he says it really well here. Psalm 34, verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This Speaking of himself, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Guys, that's David's heart. Now that can sound, for, here's the hard part for us. Part of why we have a hard time even getting people to come up and share gospel moments is it feels showy. If, like This almost feels like David is bragging, and yet what we have to realize is David is bragging not about himself, but about his God and what his God is doing in him. What Hannah was doing was not sharing, here's how great I am. She was saying, here's how amazing Christ is in me. And, and when you've tasted that kind of grace, you, 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 not only do you like David writing all these psalms, do you want to share it with everybody, you, you, you long for other people to taste it too. And that's ultimately why we do gospel moments. Guys, the idea behind the Beatitudes, that, remember, the, the, this whole point of what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes is he's driving us to a point. In all of these, in the you know, poor in spirit and those who mourn and, um, and, and merciful last week, and this, he's driving us to a point. And the point is this. The point is we need him. He's pointing us, he's pointing out to us in these Beatitudes, we cannot do this on our own. And ultimately, he's saying, and I am the answer for that. But he's also pointing out that the purpose of all of these traits that he does in us, that he, that he radiates out through us, is that we would look and be distinctly different. So when he says, be pure in heart, he is saying, be pure in heart through my power because that will make you different than the world. And that difference is what will attract my people to you and will repel the darkness from you. Guys, it's why we need him daily. It's why we need to be in the Word daily. It's why we need him as our Lord and not just our Savior. It's not just, yeah, I, I, I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer, I, I said my part, and now I'm good. It's why we need to seek him every day. I, was, I read a Piper quote yesterday. It said, you know, Satan is out to get you and whispering lies in your ear 168 hours a week. And you believe that an hour in church is going to fix all that. It just isn't. But why is it so hard? Guys, if, if, if you look at this, and I, and I look and I go, Man, we're, this is who I was 24 years ago when he made me. This is who I am, whether I feel like it or not. But why is it so hard to stay like this? And the answer is because 
We live in a fallen, dirty world. And the dirt sticks. Right? And so when I, when I leave here today, or I leave my quiet time in the morning, or, or what, all of a sudden the world is hitting me with all of these things, and my phone is hitting me with stuff, and, 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 and just, the, just the fallenness, the brokenness of everything, people's problems, and, and everything else that goes on in all of our lives, and so we end up looking more like that. Or at least feeling more like that. And then we start to feel like a second-rate Christian. And we go, but you know, I, I'm supposed to be this, but, but I'm really so dirty. Can God really use me for anything? Guys, our baggage is so weighty. Our baggage is so, so weighty. Today's question is, does your grace-purified heart feel filthy? Does it feel like this? Does your grace-purified heart feel like this? Guys, the same psalmist, David, who wrote the psalms we're looking at right now, praising God for all he's done, also wrote Psalm 51 where he says, my sin is ever before me. He's saying, I always feel like this. But then at the end of that psalm in Psalm 51, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He's saying, remind me to get back here, God. Remind me of whatever it takes to get me from, this may be what I feel like, but this is my reality in Christ. Do that work in my life. Okay, some of you are sitting here today, and, and, and maybe like me, you're, you, you didn't come to Christ until later in life. Maybe some of you aren't, haven't come to Christ yet, and you're going, you know what, Doug, you don't get it. You don't get the volume of dirt that's on my light bulb. You don't get how dark my past is. Guys, I do. So did the Apostle Paul. In my Bible, don't turn there, Psalm, or Philippians 3, 12 through 14, this one thing I do. This is Paul talking at the end of his life. This one thing I do. I still do, he's saying. Because I still feel like this, and it's starting to smoke. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Guys, I don't care what your past is. I don't care how much mud you think you have on your light bulb. You were not mocking, arresting, dragging publicly into humiliation, and murdering Christians. That's what Paul was doing when Jesus found him. You see, yeah, but Doug, okay, that's not my story. Many people in this room were, were blessed to be raised in a Christian home. Many of you sitting here right now, praise God, you have parents who are teaching you the Word of God. Do not ever take that for granted. Guys, do not ever, don't look at your friends who you say, whose parents are letting them get away with stuff and go, man, it would be so nice to have parents like that. I'm telling you as a man whose parents were not in my life that way, it is not better. It is in every way worse. But maybe you're sitting here going, yeah, okay, so I've been raised in a Christian home and I know how to do all these things and, and, and I'm going to turn this off for a minute just so it doesn't explode because I need it later. And you're going, okay, I, I, I get, I, yeah, but, but I keep failing. D you, know, you know, you keep telling me to be in the Word every day and I keep, I try and then I, all, whatever your failure is, I keep saying, I'm, I, I, God, help me get victory in this sin and I keep stumbling back over it again. Guys, you're in good company. Peter, 
Probably the next great apostle behind Paul who brought the gospel to the world. Jesus asks, so who do the people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I got one right. He's like, yes. Jesus is like, yes, Peter, you got one right. Because God told you what it was. Minutes later, from that moment of victory in Peter's life, that moment of meeting with the Lord, and I'm, I've had my Bible time for a week straight, and I'm, whatever it is in your life, that moment of victory, minutes later, Jesus is telling his disciples that the Son of Man is going to be crucified and die. Peter grabs Jesus by the arm, takes him away from everybody else, and rebukes him. Did you get what I just said? Peter rebukes Jesus. He says, no way, that's not happening on my watch. And then we know the end of the story. Flash forward months later. I won't, even if I have to die, I will not deny you. Yeah, you will, Peter, three times. And remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He didn't just deny him casually. The last time, they're looking at each other face to face. Jesus is in the courtyard. He looks up at Peter, and Peter looks him in the eye and with curse words too foul to say on Sunday, says, I don't know who that guy is. That's failure, folks. That is, that is as failure as it gets. And yet, he is the Apostle Peter who was, by the grace of God, restored and used mightily for the gospel. What have you possibly done? How many times have you possibly failed that Jesus' grace cannot cover it? Guys, there is no amount of baggage that you're carrying. There is no amount of failure that you have that is not overcomable by the grace of Jesus Christ. He can get you from here to here no matter what here looks like. He died to get you from here to here no matter what here looks like. We got to live like that. Beware of looking back to what you once were. Write this down. Beware of looking back to what you once were when God wants you to be something you've never been. Too many, too, too many of us in Christendom, in the church, live semi-victorious or defeated lives in Christ because we're too busy looking back at, you know, I was doing so much better back there. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Just press on. So the Lord has purified our hearts in Christ to make us shine for his glory and the last part we're going to look at is the last couple of verses I'm going to look at is, so keep your heart pure and see how you shine. Back in Psalm 40, verse 7, David says this, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know. Because he's saying, I, am, I can't keep quiet. The apostles put it this way in Acts chapter 4. We cannot stop speaking about that which we've seen and heard. Jesus did this to my life, and I cannot be silent. I proclaim glad tidings. I'm sorry, I read that. Verse 10. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness, of your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. 
Guys, are you his? If you are, you will say so. No matter what. It's just the deal. Now, guys, are there times where, you know, I feel like I, I, I ought to probably engage with this unbeliever, you know, across the counter at the coffee shop or whatever, and, 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 I, and I don't? Yeah. There are. And that's where I got to go, okay, forget what lies behind, reach forward to what lies ahead, and speak boldly the name of Jesus Christ. Guys, David responds the only way he can. David responds to the truth that this is what God is, this, God took him from this to this, the only way he can, and that's to present his whole life an offering. Right? Romans 12 tells us that, that we are therefore to present, we're supposed to present our bodies a living sacrifice, presentable to God. This is our spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will prove what the will of God is for your life. That's what Paul tells us to do in Romans. As we take some time now to just sort of respond to his will in all of this, and the lights come down and the music team comes back up, I want to ask you a question. Which bulb are you feeling right now? First of all, which bulb are you? Because the truth is, if you're not his, if you've never come to understand that his grace is sufficient, that his power is perfected in weakness, this is who you are. You've never become this. And this is how he sees you. So if you will not profess Jesus as Lord, when I ask the question, which bulb are you, the answer is this one. And there's only one way in the whole world to get from here to here. And that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. The good news is, nothing else added. We want to do grace plus. It's the grace of Jesus Christ plus something I have to do. Plus going door to door. Plus attending church on Sunday. Plus, there's no plus. There's just the cross. But the world is hard. And so when I say to you that are saved, those of us that do know the Lord, I say, which bulb are you? And you say, well, I know you just told me that I'm this one, but man, I feel like this one. Guys, I, I would ask you to, to just remind yourself daily of the grace of Jesus Christ. Preach the gospel that Jesus came and died and rose again for you. Preach it to yourself every day. And his grace is sufficient. So does your grace-purified heart feel filthy? Here's how Paul, after he says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, here's how Paul gives us the solution to day-to-day -day living out this grace-purified heart. This is how Eugene Peterson sums it up in his paraphrase in the message. He says, summing it up, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Just take a minute and look at those, that list. That's how we stay pure. That's how we stay pure in heart. 
You guys can come up. If you need prayer, if you need somebody to pray with, there'll be some people in the back to pray with you. If you feel led by the Spirit to pray for somebody, with somebody, get up and go pray with them. As we sing this song of response together and praise Him for His grace, let the Spirit speak to your heart. Let's pray. Summing it up. The best thing we can do, Lord, is focus on what's true and noble and reputable, authentic and compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful and not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. And so, Lord, I, I come to you right now with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I pray that we would just taste your grace. Not grace plus, just your grace. For what it is, the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would stop living by what we feel, and live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. I pray that you would remind us that we are. We just are. We are yours. We are saved. We are sealed. We are the light. We are loved. We need look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ to remember those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.